Many of you will be going out to lunch, I suppose, after church today. And I want you for just a moment, if you can, uh, to imagine that uh, as you are uh, sitting there uh, in uh, the restaurant, uh, you look up and a man and a woman come walking in. And the man has uh, up over his shoulder, um, carrying uh, over his shoulder, uh, his uh, 30-year-old, 200-pound son. And they come into the restaurant, and they get a high chair, and proceed to uh, work to uh, cram that, um, that, that 30-pound, 30-year-old, 200-pound child into the high chair. When the waitress comes around, they order that, uh, that child, if you will, um, a, uh, some mashed potatoes, some green beans, maybe some pudding, smash up the green beans real good, and they sit there with a little spoon, and they feed this 30-year-old, 200-pound child. When he shows signs of being thirsty, Mother reaches in and pulls out a bottle and gives him something to drink. When they get done eating, the man wrestles him back over his shoulder, begins to pat him on the back, and this 30-year-old, 200-pound, lets loose with a burp. In a minute, they rimble around, and Mother pulls a diaper out of the diaper bag, and off he goes to the bathroom with this 30-year-old, 200-pound child over his shoulder. You watch in disbelief as they get ready to leave. They pay their bill, and they go out, and they wrestle, and they cram this 30-year-old, 200-pound young man, child, wrestle and cram and work, and they get him in his car seat, buckle him in pop a pacifier in his mouth, and drive off. That's almost impossible to imagine. <laughs> but can you imagine the, the, the restaurant? I'm pretty sure that by that point, everyone in the restaurant would be, you know, wouldn't be much food being eaten at all. Uh, they would be uh, amazed, and I don't even know what the right word would be, uh, at, uh, at that scene. Well, John's going to give us an example this morning uh, of something kind of similar. We've been looking at seven tests uh, of our testimony. And the test he's going to describe today uh, is the test of maturity, of spiritual maturity. There are those, unfortunately, uh, who have professed Christ many years ago, uh, who are much like a 30-year-old, 200-pound uh, young man being crammed into a high chair. Spiritually, they haven't grown very much. Well, John says that a child of God, one of the tests that we have uh, is that we can tell if we are a child of God uh, by whether or not we are growing. 
whether we are growing spiritually, whether we are becoming uh, more mature uh, in our walk. And in this passage, First uh, John, John chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, uh, John uses three phrases here uh, that uh, are very important. He describes uh, the, his audience there as little children, fathers, and young men. And so the question then is, who exactly uh, is he talking to? As he's looking at the church and describes them as little children, fathers and young men, is he looking at them and dividing them up by age and saying, over here are the little children, here are the young men who are fathers, uh, and over here are the young men. And when he says young men here, uh, again, we're talking about three distinct uh, groups, but I don't think uh, the context uh, allows for that uh, understanding. John is talking about uh, three levels of maturity. Uh, he's talking about little children, those that are young, those that are new uh, in the faith. Uh, then he talks about uh, the fathers, uh, those who would be um, the middle group who were the, the fathers and had young children, and then young men uh, would be uh, the mature group. Uh, those who were actually, even though he uses the phrase young men, the words uh, indicate and the text indicates uh, that he's talking about those who have grown uh, older and wiser and more mature in their faith. And so he speaks to two groups. And then it's kind of hard to tell uh, in, uh, in, in our text, in our, in our language, but uh, he does something else that uh, is interesting. In verses 12 uh, and 13, John says, uh, what he says is he says, I am writing to you, uh, present tense. In verse 14, uh, what he says is, uh, is I have written past tense. And so uh, it's important, I think, to understand those two uh, qualifiers uh, for this text. Who he's talking to? Uh, he's talking to the spiritual uh, infants, those early in their walk with the Lord, those in the middle, and those that are further along. Uh, and he says, I am writing to you, and this is so important that I'm writing to you, even though I have written to you about this in the past. Christians, those who profess Christ, should grow in their uh, spiritual maturity. They should grow uh, in their walk. And so John says there are some uh, who are little children. Uh, they should grow and mature uh, and uh, become, uh, we'll, we'll use the phrase, young adults, uh, for where he talks about, uh, where he talks about uh, fathers, uh, children, fathers, and then the fathers that John talks about we'll call uh, more developed senior uh, adults. Again, we're not talking about age. We're talking about uh, development uh, spiritually. And John's going to give us a, a quick picture here uh, of what each of those stages uh, looks like. And in doing so, he's challenging us to say, where are you uh, in your walk with the Lord? Uh, are you growing in your walk uh, with the Lord? I was in 
uh, sands yesterday morning, and, and I've heard of these before, but I don't think I've ever actually uh, saw one. But they had a little display uh, of what, they, uh, what is known as a bonsai tree. Now, some of you may be far more familiar with bonsai trees than I am. Uh, I've shared with you before, I'm not much uh, of a botanist. I don't know much about I know a dandelion when I see it. I know clover when I see it. Um, I know a rose when I see it. I know a tree when I see it. I mean, I know what kind of tree it is, but I know it's a tree. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, I'm not real good at that. But I, I have heard of bonsai trees. In fact, uh, there's a uh, book that Ken Hemphill wrote uh, called The Bonsai Theory uh, of Church Growth. And uh, if you know anything about a bonsai tree, uh, it's a normal tree that has been taken and uh, it has had its roots cut back. It has been put in a pot that is too small uh, and it is constantly cut back to force it to stay small because a normal tree grows, right? Anything normal grows. That 30-year-old, 200-pound being shoved in a high chair, not normal. Uh, that's not, uh, it's not, uh, not the way things go. And, and the same thing, spiritually speaking, is what John is talking about. We need to ask ourselves, am I growing in my spiritual walk? And if not, then we need to move on and ask ourselves uh, a couple of more questions. One of them is, well, why not? Uh, why am I not growing in my walk with the Lord? Why am I not more mature uh, than I used to be? Why is my prayer life not more... Uh, uh, why is my prayer life not uh, richer and deeper than it used to be? Why is my understanding and desire for the Word of God not more than it used to be? Why is my desire to be in the house of God and to worship, why is it not stronger? We need to ask ourselves why. And as we're contemplating why, as we said, this is a test of our testimony. Uh, and the answer very well may be uh, that we don't have a, uh, a relationship with God to begin with. Uh, I mean, there's got to be some reason uh, that uh, we're not growing uh, in our faith, just like that bonsai tree. So, you know, you got to cut the roots. you got to put it in a pot too little. Uh, you know, there's some reason that tree stays small because that's not natural. And John is saying to us, it's not natural for someone who knows Christ not to grow and develop in their walk with the Lord. And so look with me, if you will. Uh, there's three simple things that uh, John says here. He begins, uh, as he looks in this, uh, as he talks about this, uh, he begins by talking about, uh, first of all, uh, he says uh, that there should be uh, some spiritual memory. There is some spiritual memory. Look what he says in verse 12 to the little children. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Then down in verse 13, that's the present tense piece. In the past tense piece, he says, I have written unto you uh, because you have known the Father. What John is uh, describing here are the early stages of a walk with Christ. 
He says, I'm not expecting someone who is early new in the faith, someone who is new to their Christianity, new to a relationship with God, uh, to be uh, understanding and, and standing up and uh, proclaiming the Word of God, uh, talking about the deep riches of the Word of God, trying to explain the mysteries of the Word of God. He says, I just want that new convert to get clear in their mind one thing. I want them to remember this truth, that their sins have been forgiven. That their sins have been forgiven. Why is that so important? Because you can't move on in your spiritual development. You can't move on in your spiritual growth until you have that truth, until you have that reality nailed down firm. Because here's what happens. As you try, and I can't imagine that there's not any number of people here this morning who can't stand up and say, that's right. That as you begin to try to mature, as you begin to try to grow in your faith, and you try to understand the Word more, and you try to develop your prayer life, what Satan does is Satan doesn't come along and say to you, oh, you can't pray. Oh, you can't read the Bible. He comes back to the very foundation, the very fundamental truth of your salvation. You're not really saved. He didn't really forgive your sins. Oh, you're just an old sinner. I can't imagine, again, that there's not a number of people in this room that have been there, done that. That have been through that very, uh, that very thing where Satan whispers in your ear, Oh, you're not really a Christian. You haven't really been forgiven. God doesn't really love you. That basic argument. And John says, so the earliest stages of our Christian walk is just getting clear in our mind, just getting settled on the truth that you know what? I am forgiven. I don't need to understand the red horse in Revelation. I don't need to understand Ezekiel's prophecy. I don't need to understand uh, all, you know, all those, uh, those kind of things. As a young convert, as a new believer, John says, here's what you need to get squared away. First and foremost, my sins have been forgiven. Because if you don't get that squared away, you don't get that nailed down in your life. It will undermine everything else you try to do as a believer. You'll go out and you'll try to witness. You'll try to tell somebody how to be saved. And while you're doing that, Satan will climb up on your shoulder and tell you, well, how are you going to tell them how to be saved? You're not even really saved yourself. How are you going to tell them about forgiveness? You haven't been forgiven yourself. And so John says, the early stages of Christianity, and, and, and perhaps we need to hear this in a second way as well. Perhaps we need to be hearing this as a church as well, as parents, as grandparents, as our children and our grandchildren come to know Jesus Christ, as people come in and they ask Christ into their heart. We need to make sure we're not jumping them into their fourth year of college classes when it comes to spirituality. We need to make sure that we're taking them to kindergarten first. And let's deal with the truth 
of forgiveness, of being cleansed and forgiven that Jesus Christ's blood has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, if you get down to it, if you really look at it, there's a lot of scripture that for the I think that is a biblical model because there is a lot of scripture that focuses on this idea of I am forgiven. That the blood of Jesus Christ washes us, cleanses us, that we stand forgiven in the sight of God. Scripture is full of those kinds of teaching. And so maybe we need to hear this as, as a church today as well, that maybe one of the errors we've made over the years is we've tried to jump new converts way ahead in the growth process. It'd be much like taking a newborn baby and trying to feed them T-bone steak. That's why the Bible talks about what? Moving on from the milk to the meat. Well, unfortunately, I'm afraid that in many instances we skip the milk and we've tried to take them straight to the meat, and that's not their fault. I think the reason we have many, young, many people who have made a profession of faith who today are confused and wondering and, and, and they're wondering in their faith is because we haven't grounded them in the truth. Your sins were forgiven at Calvary. Spiritual memory. There's some people sitting in this room this morning there are some people watching me online right now who need to deal with that truth. You may have been saved. You, you may have made a profession many years ago. But the truth is, you need to come back to that fundamental truth and say, you know what? We've got to hammer this down. The blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me again. Not from some unrighteousness, not most unrighteousness, but all unrighteousness. When I stand before God, He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my wicked ways. He sees the righteousness of His Son. And I stand before Him no longer condemned, but redeemed and forgiven. Listen, that's the first step in spiritual maturity. John says, I wrote about it to you before, and I'm writing about it to you again. I write this, little children. He says, because your sins are forgiven. He says, I want you to understand that. And I want that to get to be the foundation of everything else you do. See, again, you're not going to be a great worshiper if the whole time you're trying to worship internally, you're still trying to wrestle with whether or not you're really saved or not. You're not going to be a great evangelist. You're not going to testify. You're not going to have a powerful prayer life. You're not going to want to read the Word of God when you're wrestling with that issue. And so this morning, it comes down to this simple truth. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens that door, I will come in. And so here's the question this morning that you've got to deal with first in this journey, in this uh, path uh, of growth, 
is, did you hear him knock? If you did, did you open the door? And if you opened the door, he came in. That's what he said he would do. He didn't say you had to crawl on your knees to Charlotte. He didn't say you had to do anything. You had to ask him into your heart. You had to accept the gift that he offered of forgiveness. If you did that, then you are forgiven. I have people, and this is a real stickler for me. I'm going to tell you this. I don't think I've ever addressed this issue from the pulpit in 27 years now. But I'm going to right now. I have people on occasion come up and say something like this. I was baptized as a child, but I think I need to be baptized again. And my question to them is why? Why? Were you saved 30 years ago or whatever? Were you saved? Yes. Did you ask Christ into your heart? Yes. Your sins forgiven? Yes. Then you don't need to be baptized again. Some of you are not going to like that. Baptism doesn't change your relationship. Baptism is obedience to a command. So I guess technically it does affect your relationship, and it doesn't affect your salvation. If there was a day, if there was a time, you can point and say, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, then your sins have been dealt with. That's the first step. Second step. He goes on and he talks about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. That's what he says then to the fathers. I write unto you uh, fathers, Fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you in verse 14, Fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. The, the, the fathers, the next step, spiritual maturity. He says, you should move on from that first step now. And he said, you should progress because you have known the Father. You have known the Father. He, uh, he says, you have known Him from the beginning. I have written you in verse 14, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. He says, now you have a knowledge, you have a relationship with the Father. It's a similar uh, picture to, let's say, dating. You meet someone, maybe you meet them in high school. And when you first meet them, you may think they're pretty or cute or handsome or whatever. But you really don't know. And so you maybe ask another friend, what's her name? What's his name? And you begin to do a little checking them out. Well, do they have a boyfriend? They have a girlfriend. You know anything about that kind of thing? You know how that goes. Over time, then, if things work out, you develop a relationship. 
And then you begin to grow in your knowledge of that person. You know what they like, what they don't like. You know where they live. You know their voice. You know, there are people in this world who every one of us, we can pick up the phone and they'll go, hey. We'll go, hey. We don't have to say, who is this? We know them so well that we recognize their voice. We don't, we don't need to, hey, hey, who is this? Who is this? Yeah. Every now and then I get one of those calls from people um, who I'm actually connected, doing business with. They'll call me and they'll say, this is so-and-so from, I don't know, let's say, such-and-such bank. Well, okay. And they'll say, can you give us your birthday and social security number to identify yourself? I say, can you give me your birthday and social security number to identify yourself? They don't like that, by the way. I said, you know who you called. I don't know who called me. You need to identify yourself. We don't usually get very far, by the way. They say, can you just, okay then, can you go by the branch or can you go by the office or whatever? And, you know, I said, well, I, maybe. But, you know, I don't understand that much. You call me and want me to identify me. Well, I know who I am. I don't know who you are. But, you know, on the other hand, their people call me and they just start talking. I know who they are. You know, hey, 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 don't you know, we don't have to, you know, where you been? What you been up to? Blah, 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 blah. You know, we move on. We know each other. Well, that's what John is talking about here when he says you have known. Is our relationship with God growing beyond its initial point? See, if all we ever know is that our sins are forgiven. What? Praise the Lord, that's great. Hope you know that. But if that's all you know, you are seriously missing out on your walk with the Lord. You are seriously malnourished as a believer if you stop at, or my sins are forgiven. See, as we begin to know the Lord, these fathers he's talking to should be in this pathway, this progress of where Paul writes about of not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. See, it's kind of like, have you ever changed jobs? And when you first started your new job, you know, you, you kind of had to have somebody standing nearby saying, this is what you do, don't do that, do this, do that, here's what, you know. And, 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 and even for a while after that, you kind of like, okay, yeah. all right, you know. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sitting here looking at Debbie, Debbie's nurse. I'm sure early in the early days of nursing that she'd say, somebody said, give them a shot, and she'd pull the medicine, and she'd look at it again, she'd look at it again, and, you know, and, and you know, go back and look at the orders and look again, and, you know, make, you know, probably 10, 12 times after 
a few years of doing that, you know, just watch out, here comes Debbie with a needle. You know how you get in your job? You know, how you get in what you do? In something you practice? Listen, our walk with the Lord needs to be that way. And if it's not, then we come back to that question of why not? We begin with the fundamental of saying, I know I'm forgiven. But then we move on. You know, the, the, the big popular thing, you don't hear much about it anymore for so long, was what would Jesus do? Use that for example. There were probably, for some of you, maybe there was a time you can reflect on this, that maybe some of you are still there, but there was a time when a circumstance would come up in your life and you'd have to step back and go, hmm, what would Jesus do in this situation? You had to think about it for a little bit. But what I'm submitting to you this morning is that as you grow in your faith, you should be developing a relationship with God and knowledge with God to the point where you don't have to step back and go, hmm, what would Jesus do? That it just becomes natural to do what Jesus would have done. Just like in your marriage. Probably early on in your marriage, when birthdays and Christmases and anniversaries and those kind of things come along, you had to stop and think, oh, Lord, what am I going to get her this year? And you, you know, I don't know. But, you know, after a number of years, you know, you, you still may not know what to get her, but by now you've learned what not to get her. Right? You know, I, I know, you know, I had somebody tell me, I was thinking about, I don't remember now, it's been a long time ago, I said something to somebody about some event coming up, I need to get her, get her a box of chocolates, that's always good. It's not in my house, it ain't. Well, you get in a doghouse, bring home chocolates, she don't like chocolate, I know that much. I may not know what to buy, but I know not to buy chocolate. So, our relationship, you know, we've grown. Our relationship with God should be that way. We should be moving on to the point where, you know, we don't have to go back and consult the Bible for every decision. I, I, I told you before, I, I know how to make wrong bad. I, I, I could push some buttons just like that. I, you know, if somebody said, hey, what makes wrong the man? I wouldn't have to go, hmm. Let me think about that. I could, yeah, trust me, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, because why? Because I've been married to her for almost 40 years, known her for 45 or 50. Yeah. Over time, your relationship grows. Our relationship with God should be growing. And so there should be spiritual maturity. But then the third thing he mentions as he looks, as we look at this, is eventually we come to a point where he says spiritual mastery. Look what he says in verse 13 at the end. I write unto you young men because you have overcame the wicked 
verse 14. I have written, uh, he says, I am writing to you in verse 13. Verse 14, he says, I have written to you because you are strong, the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So see, we have moved. Can you see the huge progression from the little children? Just know you're forgiven. All the way now to the young men who he says, you have grown to the point where you have overcome the wicked one. You see that growth? See that progress? He says, you're new in the faith. You just need to work on knowing you're forgiven. But you need to be working to the point where you are strong where the Word of God abides in you, where you have overcome the wicked, how you have fought the battle, where the wicked one, where Satan, uh, where his attacks, he attacked in every way. And he says you have grown to the point where Satan looks at you and realizes, you know what? That's a pretty tough old bird. CD tells me all the time, we had this conversation this morning, we probably had it last Sunday, and we'll probably have it next Sunday. Every Sunday, I tell him I'm going to whoop him. I told him today I was going to pull his arm off and beat him with the bloody stuff. He told you, you better be careful. Them old men will get you. Ain't that what you said? Them old men will get you. I told him, I said, I'll whoop an old man. I said, at least I'll try. He says, you will? I said, well, I'll try. I ain't going to say I'll get it done. I'll try. We had that conversation just about every Sunday morning. (laughs) So far, ain't neither one of us whooped either one. I think we just both decided to live live and let live. Yeah. But you know, the truth is, old men... You have to watch them rascals. They've been through a little bit. They've seen a few things. They may look old. They may seem slow. But you just don't know. Oh, he ain't over there with that stick. You better watch him. He might just beat daylight out of you with that stick. I had a nephew several years ago. Put a big boy told me, he said, I'll whoop you. I said, let me tell you something. You're younger than me. You're bigger than me. You're stronger than me. But I'll tell you something, brother. I've been married 30 some years. I got four kids about driving me crazy. I spent a good portion of my life working 60, 70 hours a week. I've been pastoring for 30 years, putting up with crazy battles. Son, there's a spring in there wound awful tight. And I'm not sure you want to crack it loose. Be careful of them old men. Say amen, C.D. God is saying in our spiritual walk, we should come to the place, and I love this phrase, it's actually written from a woman's perspective, but I've seen it on social media. 
says, be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh no, she's awake again. I want to grow in my faith. I want to mature in my faith so that when I pray, Satan trembles. I want to grow in my faith. I want to move beyond just being happy that my sins have been forgiven. I want to move on to the point that when I pray, the demons in hell tremble. You say, that's crazy talk. No, it's not. The Bible says as believers we can say to Satan, get thee behind me. There ought to be growth. He says you ought to come to the place where you have overcome, where you have grown in your faith. You have grown to the point where he talks, the Bible talks at one point about the sin that so easily beset us. You know, when we're young in our faith, we get caught up a lot of times and sin will trip us up real easy. Same old sin. You remember being there? Maybe you're there now. Same old sin. Day after day after day. Just boom, boom, just every day. Just keep tripping right over that same old sin. Just falling into the same thing. Day after day after day. John said, the real test of your testimony is, are you growing to the point? Have you grown in your faith to the point where that same sin doesn't keep tripping you up? Where something doesn't easily, where Satan can't so easily attack? Where Satan doesn't so easily come along and deceive you? I like what Gomer Powell said. Fool me once, shame on me. Or you, excuse me. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my walk with the Lord. I want to grow in my knowledge of the faith to the point where Satan can't so easily deceive me. And if I'm not, then we need to get down to the real hard business, the real nitty-gritty of saying, why am I not growing? That 30-year-old, 200-pound fella that come into that restaurant and got stuck into a high chair, carried out, put in the car seat, and the pacifier plugged in his mouth. Everybody in the restaurant would have been looking at them people saying, what in the world is wrong? What is going on there? Something's not right. We're all different. Are we willing to say the same thing about our spiritual growth? No longer on the milk, but moving towards the meat. No longer babes in the faith, but growing to become mature in our faith. John says that's the test. From little children to fathers to young men. I want to ask you to bow your heads. As our musicians come this morning.
Where are you on that scale? Little children? Young father? Or a spiritually developed young man? This morning you say, I know I'm a believer. I know I've been saved. I have no doubt I am a Christian. But I need to be honest. I need to look this morning and say, where am I at when it comes to spiritual growth? Am I developing in the faith? If you're not, why not? I invite you to come this morning and kneel. Lord, help me to grow. Help me to mature. Help me to become a young man. Mature believer. You're here today and you say, I don't even know Jesus. I'm not even a little child. I haven't been born. I need to be born again. I need to be saved. I don't know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you step out this morning and come and let me show you how you can know Christ. How you can be saved. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge you put in front of us. God, I pray that each one of us today, God, we look ourselves in the mirror. We would ask ourselves that question. Am I growing? Am I mature? Am I developing? Am I stronger in my faith today than I was a year ago? God, give us that desire to grow. And we give you the honor for what you did. For in Jesus' name, I'm going to ask you to
Um, Table carry, how's that? Uh, and I would say, you can do it, I promise you. Uh, and from everything I'm hearing, uh, the battle, uh, as I told you the other day, because Roe versus Wade has been overturned, uh, it has not got better. Um, it has gotten much uh, worse than the, the numbers for uh, people requesting abortion have went up. Um, and so we need to. Uh, just double down um, our efforts um, and um, work even harder, pray even harder. Uh, one of the things that um, the Church of Jesus Christ must do, we encourage you to pray and pray hard about this issue, is if we're going to say you can't have an abortion, we're going to have to, that automatically means there's a couple other things we've got to say. It means we'll step up and we'll foster or we'll adopt that child. If they're not going to be aborted, they've got to go somewhere. Um, they need homes, they need roofs over there. Or we will come alongside a mother who is willing to keep her child, but she just simply doesn't know what she's doing. She's 15, 16 years old, and she doesn't know which end of diaper goes on. And just to be brutally honest, they didn't, have, they didn't have a mama, they didn't have a daddy, they hadn't been taught, and they don't know. A lot of these young girls, that's the reason they get abortion, because they've been told since they were born, that's the answer. And so the church needs to be praying real hard about what's our, what's our place in the future. When it comes to adoption, foster care, mentoring, loving, discipling these children and their mothers, and their, especially the fathers. Do you know, 80% of the women who get an abortion say they wouldn't have got the abortion if the dead would have stood by and supported them. Folks, abortion is as much a male problem as it is a female problem. We need to continue to pray and fight. All right? Remember that. July the 23rd. All right? Let's um, pray together for this year. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for allowing us to be here, uh, for allowing us to uh, open your word together. I uh, pray that if we leave here, uh, God, we would, each one of us, look at our spiritual growth, look at our development, and see, uh, ask ourselves, are we mature and in the faith? Uh, God, go with us as we leave here, uh, keep each one safe, uh, seeking and following you, and we'll give you the honor for that, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.